Our scripture passage for today is found in the book of Judges, chapter 6, verses 1 through 16. I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, please turn along and read as I read aloud from the Word of God. Judges 6, beginning with verse 1. Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years... He gave them over into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. <coughs> when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <coughs> but Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we look at your word, we recognize that your word is holy. Your word has the power to change our lives through the powerful work of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would accomplish those changes in our lives and in our hearts that you desire as we look at your word today. That my words would be faithful to your word because your word alone is holy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time, in the time of Judges, as many of you will remember, is described as a time when every man did what was right in his own eyes. This morning I'd like to do something a little bit different and introduce you to the thoughts and the mindset of the man Gideon, looking back on his life. I'd like to tell you what the country was like years ago when I was young. In our country in Israel, life was miserable. Everyone had long since given up on the Lord. 
As a matter of fact, the Lord was nowhere to be found, or so we thought. And people didn't spend much time searching for him, if they spent any time at all. Not even my father, not even our family. Instead, people decided that there were more worthwhile things to be done. They decided that they were going to try and find answers in other places. So they looked for satisfaction and happiness. They looked for answers to their problems. They looked for success. They looked for wealth. They looked for everything that everybody looks for to be happy. And they decided the place to find the answers to these questions and the solutions to these desires was by worshiping the gods of the people in whose land we were living. Now that didn't get us very far, as you can imagine. We were really a miserable people. Now, of course, some people were more blessed and successful in finding happiness than other people. But as a people, as a whole, if you think of our nation at this time, we were greatly oppressed. We were all scratching out an existence, barely scratching out an existence, each and every man for himself. No time or energy for our neighbors, barely enough time for ourselves, just trying to get by. Why? Why? Because of the Midianites, of course. Who else? Now, I don't know if you've ever had an enemy. Those of you who have had brothers and sisters may identify with this. But I don't know if you've ever had an enemy that you've managed to keep down, to squelch for a long, long time. And all of a sudden, you woke up one day and pow, that enemy was bigger than you and able to whip you every time. I can tell you that that was the situation we were in, and it was not pleasant. It's a miserable experience. The Midianites were distant relations of us, the Israelites. They had turned far away from the Lord God whom we, the Israelites, served. They had turned away from Him a long, long time ago. And they had worshipped and adopted many other gods. All of them, of course, false gods. Now, if you think back in history, you might remember, as I remember, because, of course, this was told to me. This was not part of my history or life. You might remember that when our people came up out of Egypt in slavery, the Midianites, and if you wonder how they were related, you think back to Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was the true son, right? Abraham had a second wife whose name was Keturah. And Midian, unfortunately, was born of Keturah. And we suffered under Midian, at least at this time during my life, greatly. But when our people, the Israelites, were coming out of Egypt, the Midianites banded together with the Moabites. And so there you had these family members. They were all distantly related to us getting together because they were afraid of us, the Israelites. And they decided in their minds, we have got to destroy these people, the Israelites, because we've heard what the Lord God did for them to the people of Egypt in destroying the people of Egypt entirely. We had better get the edge on them before they get it on us. (coughs) And so the kings of Midian and Moab, they sent leaders, (coughs) very respected leaders, to a prophet whose name was Balaam. Now, perhaps you remember Balaam. He had a famous donkey. 
And I guess we, like you, heard more about the donkey than we heard about Balaam. But the Moabites and the Midianites decided that they were going to get this prophet, Balaam, to put a curse on us, on our people, the Israelites. It was rather an interesting thing, but it didn't succeed very well. Because Balaam, of course, was an oracle of God, and he spoke what the Lord God told him. He didn't just make things up. And when he went to the Lord and said, Okay, Lord, I'm seeking a curse for these people. The Lord said, Oh, no, you don't, because they're mine. You are not cursing these people. Now, Balaam tried again and again and again to get God's curse in order to get a lot of money from the kings of Moab and Midian and the others. And it did not succeed because the Lord would not give him a curse. Instead, all he would give Balaam was a blessing for us, the Israelites. And blessed we were because we were the Lord's. We were close to him at that time. Balaam was a smart fellow. And after having failed to get the Lord's curse for our people, he came up with Balaam's plan. And Balaam's plan went like this. He said to the kings of Midian and Moab and all their people, Look, you've seen every time you've tried to get me to curse these people, the Israelites, it has not succeeded. It will not succeed because the Lord is with them. However, and he probably thought this in his mind, he didn't say it, but he was probably thinking in his mind, however, I'd like to earn your fee. And so here's a good idea. What you need to do is you need to get your sons and your daughters and say to them, why don't you go out of the camp at night and sneak over to the Israelite camp and get cozy-dozy with the sons and daughters of the Israelites and then intermarry with them. Intermarry with them. And then you'll get what you want. Because the Israelites will turn away from worshiping the Lord their God and since He's the one who gives them His blessing... When they turn away from him and start worshiping your gods, you've succeeded. you succeeded. The idea behind this was very successful at that time. <clears throat> because Balaam knew that if once our children intermarried with the Moabite and the Midianites, they would stop worshiping the Lord and they would turn to worship the false gods of their spouses, whose names were Balaam, Asherah, Moloch, and others. As a result, the intermarrying did happen. Balaam was successful in this. And as a result of that, of course, our people, the Israelites, were greatly weakened. Because, well, you know how it is. What you are convinced is wrong, somehow it doesn't seem so wrong when someone in your family is doing it. So not only did the kids marry Moabites and Midianites, And in marrying them, they gave over worshiping the Lord their God and started worshiping Baal and Asherah and the other gods. When their parents, their brothers and sisters, their aunts and uncles and grandparents saw this happening, they had quite a hard time condemning it. Because doing so would have meant judging and destroying their own flesh and blood. And that is tough. Now, the interesting part about that time, and I'm getting into this a little bit because I have a little bit of the same sort of uh, um, hero status surrounding me. But there was a hero who came up out of that time. 
His name was... Anybody know what his name was? His name was Phineas. His name was Phineas. He was a grandson of Aaron, and he was also a priest. Now, the story seems a little gruesome, I'm sure, to you. Me and my day, it, after the things I've been through, it, it's not terribly gruesome. One of the Israelite men flaunted the Lord by marrying a Midianite woman. He not only flaunted his disrespect for the Lord, but he also did it in front of Moses and in front of all the people who were gathered together in front of the tent of the Lord, weeping because as a result of this intermarrying and the fact that our people were no longer worshiping the Lord but worshiping false gods, the Lord had sent a plague on us. And all the Israelite people knew why that plague had come. It had been made clear to them through Moses. <clears throat> but anyhow, this one man, <clears throat> he hadn't gotten the picture. <clears throat> and so he went out and he got a Midianite woman and he took her and married her in front of the whole assembly, took her into his tent. This is where Phineas comes in. <clears throat> Phineas took the Lord's honor seriously he took a spear in his hand and he went into that tent and went, boom! And all of a sudden, they were both dead. Now again, to you, gruesome. To me, think of what I've been through. <clears throat> but the question is not what you think about that or what I think about that. What did the Lord think about it? What did the Lord say about it? <clears throat> because of this, the Lord stopped the plague. This one act by this one priest stopped the plague immediately. Not only did it stop the plague, but the Lord made a covenant with Phineas. With Phineas! <clears throat> a covenant of peace with Phineas and his descendants. Why? Because the Lord said, Phineas, you have taken my honor seriously. You have taken my honor seriously. Everybody else treated it as though what I said really didn't count all that much. But Phineas, you took me seriously. And because of that, I am establishing a covenant with you. Now, that's what I call being well repaid for doing what is right. But if you think about Phineas in that situation, you have to realize that he could not have been at all certain what the results, the outcome of this act this brave act of judgment upon this wicked man and his wife would be. Being a hero is not, I can tell you, easy. When it's all over and you look around and you find that you succeed and you're basking in your glory and the people want you to be the leader because you have succeeded, it's great at that point. But heroes are only called heroes after the fact. In the middle... Before you start doing what you know you're supposed to do, what the Lord's called you to do, it can be completely and downright frightening. Even, even, even if you hear the Lord speak to you directly, and He says, Gideon, this is what you are to do, as happened to me. The Lord speaking directly to me. It still doesn't make it easy. Particularly as you remember that serving the Lord as a hero puts you in the company of a lot of people who were heroes before the Lord. 
but who were also put to death by the people. <clears throat> Anyhow, return with me back to these early days in the Midianites. <clears throat> these Midianites swamped us. <clears throat> they would gather all their people. They would gather all their cousins and distant relations, the Amalekites, the Moabites, and they would all get together with all the tribes in the region and they'd, they'd come together as a one horde roaring down upon our people. They would take all of our grain, all of our grapes, our oil, our cattle, our livestock, anything else that we had succeeded in gathering together for planting or for harvesting. The scripture says it this way, they did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. There were so many of them. It was impossible to count the men in their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Now, it was interesting how the people reacted to this state of affairs. <clears throat> Living in such an oppressive time in which anything you had could be taken, snatched up at a moment by the enemy. <clears throat> But I'm sure you've seen people respond to hard times in the same way among you as they did among us. Some people decided that the gods were simply angry at them. Not simply, were very angry at them. And so they decided that they needed to work harder at appeasing the gods. And they gave more of their things up to their gods. And they searched far and wide to see if there were other gods that they hadn't yet heard about whom they might have dishonored. Well, if it isn't Baal and I've tried to please Baal and Baal's pleased, then is there another god, any god, anywhere that I've displeased? Well, they were right in one way. There was a problem with the way they were living. But they sure went about it trying to straighten things out in the wrong way. Because what happened is they went even further into idolatry and even farther from the Lord. Other people decided there was nothing that could be done about it. What they were going to do in the midst of this terrible situation was they were going to at least try and be more successful and happier and wealthier than their friends and neighbors. And so they spent all their time ignoring the misery of our existence, trying to get ahead. And then there were those who realized that we had gotten into this trouble because we had been spending our time in other pursuits in worshiping false gods. As a result, our nation said, we're still God's nation. We didn't have any time for Him. We didn't have devotion for Him. We didn't have respect for Him. And we were all looking for other gods and other things to take our minds off the fact that we were in the midst of an intolerable situation. It was these people who recognized we were the problem. Really, it wasn't the Midianites, although I blamed them. It wasn't the Midianites who were the problem. It was we, ourselves, who were the problem. It was our sin. It was these people who, as the Bible records the story, cried out to the Lord for help. And he heard, and he sent a prophet whose message wasn't very popular, summed up in these words from the Lord. The Lord speaking through the prophet, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you, lands you live, but you have not listened to me. Now, I don't know how you react to, and I told you so, but it didn't go over very well in our nation, 
even though it was the Lord speaking to us and saying, this has happened, and I told you it would happen if you didn't do what I told you to do. Well, the fact is that this prophet faded from sight pretty quickly. But actually, the message that he delivered from the Lord was exactly what we needed to hear. Some of the people heard the message and their disregard and hatred for the Lord got stronger. Some of the people heard this message and they realized that it was true. They repented and they begged the Lord for his forgiveness. Now, my family and I, we went along living our daily lives, not expecting things to change much, trying to sneak something good out of the land on the sly without the ever-present Midianite spies finding out what we were doing. One day I had a visitor. You can picture me there, huddled up in our wine press, stomping away, threshing grain to hide my work from prying eyes. Because everybody knows you don't thresh grain in a wine press. It was a good place to hide, though. So intent was I upon this work that I don't know how long he'd been there before I glanced out and saw him sitting there under the old oak tree. Then he spoke to me. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, really, I mean absolutely no disrespect, but warrior? Me? (laughs) That was a joke. And not only did he say I was a warrior, he called me mighty warrior. (laughs) Now, I was sort of taken by this whole thing, and you can imagine that if I hadn't been, I would have burst out laughing on the spot. This was ludicrous. Me, a mighty, mighty warrior? Completely ridiculous. How would you respond if someone called up, came up to you and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior? Well, as I understand it in this day and age, you might wonder if he'd been looking over your shoulder while you were playing computer games. Not me. We didn't have computers or play games. Then he spoke to you. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And my response reflected my doubts. But sir, if the Lord is with us, why in the world has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Thinking to myself, explain that for a try. Now you have to realize where I and my family and many if not most of the people of our nation were at this point in time. Many of the people were crying out to the Lord for help. But it truly, really and truly seemed like he had completely lost interest in us. We knew we were supposed to be the chosen people. But as I expressed it in my question so well, where is he? Does he care? Is he there? I can't see him. I haven't seen a miracle in a long, long time. As a matter of fact, I'd never seen a miracle, as far as I could tell. If the Lord was with us, then why weren't things happening? Why were things not happening? Why was everything dead and dull? Why were we living out, eking out this miserable existence? If the Lord... Well, you think to yourself, the Lord is with you. And I thought to myself, if He's with me, boy, I'd sure hate to see how how much worse things could get. Have you ever been in that position? Thinking to yourself, I've been told that if I know the Lord, He's with me. But boy, I'd sure hate to see things get worse. 
that was us. That was me. And as a matter of fact, <laughs> you think about it, it was a pretty good question to give me some time to start thinking on my feet. When someone comes up to you and says, the Lord is with you, mighty one. Ah, well, what about this question? Well, if he's with us, then what about these miracles? How come there are no miracles here today? Take them a long time to answer that question. (laughs) I think, mighty one. Well, the fact is that as he and I started to have this dialogue, it dawned on me. I'd never seen a miracle. I didn't know who this man was. But the way he spoke and what he was telling me, it occurred to me that maybe I might be on the threshold of something. Maybe I was in a time when the Lord was all of a sudden going to come and going to act. And those miracles that had happened to our forefathers that we had only heard through generations. And then the Lord parted the Red Sea. Wow. Maybe it was going to happen here and now with me. Because you think about it, if this was an angel, and as we went through this conversation, I had more and more doubts about who this person actually was. Became convinced it was an angel, and then perhaps someone more. You think about it. The Lord just doesn't send angels to people to say to them, How Good to see you today. The Lord's blessing upon you. See you next time. Goodbye. When the Lord sends an angel, it's, it, he's, he's starting the ball rolling, isn't he? And so there I was thinking about this. This, this, is, this is not your ordinary, everyday meeting. This man is not a Midianite, because he would have destroyed my grain by now. He's not an Israelite. He might be a prophet, but I don't think so. Maybe this is the beginning of what we have been told about. But he didn't answer my question. He just didn't answer it. Here I thought I had a good question. No answer. All he said was, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? There was no discussion, no debate. Just an action plan. An order. And at this point, you can imagine that I was even less certain of who I was speaking with. Because angels aren't the people who say, Am I not sending you? I started to get even more worried at this point. Not only because I was coming to a realization of who he really was, but also because the fact that things were getting a little close and a little hot here. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second. Wait. wait l- l- let me finish, finish with this wheat first and, and then the, let's talk about it. Just hold on here. He was sending me, giving me marching orders. Literally marching orders. Directing me to lead an attack against the people of Midian. A far cry from threshing wheat in a wine press. Frighteningly far. You know, there I was. Just any old man tending to his daily work when the Lord's work was presented to me. I sure wasn't prepared for it. 
But then when you're confronted with the Lord and told what He wants you to do, it's pretty hard to say no. <laughs> now, if you look at what, what, what I said, I gave it my best shot. <laughs> if you've ever felt that what the Lord is asking you to do is too much for you, I can identify with you perfectly. <clears throat> Some people do say no to the Lord, and they make their no stick. But those are the people you never hear from. There's lots of reasons to say no. Take me, for example. I never, ever considered myself a hero. I was never any kind of a warrior. I was not even the meanest soldier, let alone a mighty one, just a farmer. <clears throat> but God had decided I was a mighty warrior. <laughs> I was a mighty warrior. <clears throat> And so he set about making me into one. It was, I can tell you, a very difficult experience. But the wonderful thing is I look back upon it at this point in time, and I can encourage you with this, and you can even read about me and find this out, is that if the Lord calls you a mighty warrior, you may not feel like one. You may say to yourself, this isn't me. I couldn't do that. It's impossible. But if the Lord says... Hey, this is what you are. This is who you are. This is what I'm telling you to do. Then you better sit back and enjoy the ride. Because he never sends people out to do his work without giving them his power. And he said this to me. Now, here's my excuse. But Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the very teeniest, tiniest clan in Manasseh. I'm the very teeniest, tiniest one in my family. I might have even shrunk at that point in time just to make myself look smaller. What about the guy there who lives across the field? He's always been bigger than me. And when we were boys together, he used to beat me up every time. I didn't really said that, but you can imagine that's what I was thinking. <clears throat> and the Lord answered, I will be with you. You will strike down all the Midianites together so much for trying to get out of it. But although you don't know it at the time, the Lord makes good on everything that he says. And he was with me. And all that he said happened just like he said it would. Now, if you've got time, I'd like to come back again and tell you how it happened. But for today, I'd like you to think about my position there in that field. <clears throat> As you think about what the Lord has called you to do, you come up with many reasons not to do it. Fear is number one priority on the list. I can tell you for sure. It was number one priority on the list. I was... I was shivering in my boots. I was scared to death of the risk that this would involve. How in the world could I go into something I had never done before in my life and not only do it, but become a leader in doing it? The idea was preposterous. But look at what it means to be a hero. I'm comfortable with that. Because it's past now. Every miracle begins in a small way with God pointing out one individual, one person. It doesn't become start in a mass sort of thing. God doesn't turn bystanders into heroes as though 
you can have hero bystanders. God says to one person, Hey, this is for you. This work is your work. I want you to do it. And as you think about me in this field, I'd like you to think about whatever it is the Lord has said to you, I want you to do this. I can tell you, I was frightened to go into this thing. But you'd never want to get the instructions from the Lord and say no and realize later what you'd given up. All of this began thinking back upon it because God made a large number of people so miserable that they cried out to Him for mercy and help and He heard them. And that was the miracle that began this all. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we ask that You would cause us to see through the life of Gideon the way in which You call Your people to do Your work and the power in which You give them. We ask that you would be gracious to us as you were to him, that you would show us your power and your might at work in our lives, in our hearts, in our community. And we ask this because we are confident that you are the God of all power and the God of miracles. And we ask this recognizing before you today, Lord, that we are sinners in need of your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.